Welcome back to The Melancholy Condition. I am your host, Darius Velasquez, and you're listening to Season 3. Enjoy. Here's an ad. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps that people like to listen? How do I make money from podcasts? The answer to every single one of these questions is pretty simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. And that means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. The reason why I love Anchor is just because it's easy. It's simple. It's on my phone. I don't use any exterior hardware. I don't got to do anything really, but just pick up my phone, open the Anchor app, press record, invite my guests, and boom, you have the melancholy condition. So if you want to start your podcast, do so today. Go to anchor.fm. Maureen, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi. Awesome. Awesome. So tell me a little bit. Well, first off, congratulations. Thank you on joining me. A little bit of your backstory before we uh, start. Okay. Um, So I am a plant-based health coach. And I my story is basically that I live with post-traumatic stress disorder now uh, from the age of 15 when I was sexually assaulted. And just, you know, experiencing depression and all stuff since mm-hmm. then. And diet has been like huge in helping me with that. But then also a lot of other healing methods like uh, meditation and being in nature. But food was kind of the catalyst for all that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, first off, I want to say uh, big kudos to you for, you know, being able to talk about these things because I know that's a very, very uh, touchy subject. And I know having to read. Yeah, thank you. I think it's those... so important. What was that? I think it's so important to talk about. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Of course. So I'll give it, go ahead and give it a, a five count and then um, we'll be live. Okay. Okay. Sounds great. All right. So five, four, three, two, one, and we are back for another episode of The Melancholy Condition. Right now, I have Marina Trainer. Is it, do you Almost, prefer you Yanai Trainer? It's Yanai Trainer. Yanai Trainer, okay, awesome, awesome. Well, go ahead and introduce yourself, Marina. Hi, everybody, I'm happy to be here. I am a plant-based health coach, and I support people in transitioning to a plant-based lifestyle and really discovering the health within them. Awesome. Awesome. So go ahead and let's go ahead and start off with um, a little bit of your story and what kind of caused you to take this approach um, for this transformation for yourself. Uh, Yeah. So I kind of usually tell this story through my mom because she was the one that was physically ill and really healed herself and encouraged our whole family to go plant-based. But I think for this podcast, and it's also true that one of the biggest things that I wanted to heal in myself or transform in a way, because I don't think that I can ever just get rid of it, but Mm -hmm. it was post-traumatic stress disorder. And it's something I lived with since I was 15 years old. 
um, after being assaulted by my first boyfriend in my first relationship. And so living with that, it was, of course, like really tumultuous. I never really felt peaceful. I never felt grounded. I was very hyper vigilant, just always, you know, not trusting people, situations and not able to kind of show my emotions either. And so I really wanted to find a way to start healing that. And that's how I started with plant-based eating. It's not that I thought, oh, I'm going to be super happy when I change my diet, but I was just hoping that healing would come and I would kind of had the intuition that it would through that avenue. Absolutely. That's good. That's good. So do you think, um, do you ever do any uh, studies in the gut biome? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good point. So the gut microbiome is really tied to our mood, as well as our immune system and, and digestion and so many other things. And what feeds your gut bacteria is actually prebiotics, which is the fiber in food. Mm. So eating a plant based diet, especially if you eat a very varied plant based diet, that's really helpful in feeding that gut bacteria and seeing a shift in, in your mood. Absolutely. I think that's really important for people to understand, especially, you know, um, people that are first starting to get into dieting and exercise is especially if you start taking a lot of supplements, um, because I know a lot of the times if you aren't taking the right uh, digestive enzymes with along with your pre or probiotics, um, that can definitely cause you to have those uh, shifts and, you know, chemical imbalances. So you have these misfires for, you know, different moods, different reactions for things. And I always encourage a lot of people whenever, um, you know, people start asking me, hey, you know, I'm starting to feel like kind of down, I'm getting depressed. Uh, you since you take a very fitness um, approach to things, what should I do? And that's always my first step is, you know, on top of, you know, starting a fitness journey, definitely get your gut biome aligned straight. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. And people don't realize that actually, you know, it's not only the probiotics, which I am not that huge of a fan of probiotic supplements. Like I, mm -hmm. I didn't really see the science on that being necessary. I know that some doctors use it for, you know, people that are having really serious issues with their gut, but for just people like you and I, um, I don't think it's super necessary, but people don't know that your bacteria, it's already there. You just really need to feed it and kind of help to help it grow and develop. And so I'm taking, I'm eating fruits and vegetables and also whole grains and legumes. They have a lot of fiber, a lot of different kinds of fiber, especially. So that really helps um, just feeding all the different strains and really making sure that you have a varied diet of plants really helps because then mm -hmm. you're just helping all those different strains develop. Absolutely. That's a really, really good um, insight there. Now with, um, I've had this conversation with a few people in the past as well, as far as like the plant-based diets. Mm -hmm. I, for a while was on the fence of believing that humans were actually made to eat uh, more of a plant-based diet based on how our teeth are uh, designed you know what I mean because we don't have you know carnivorous teeth we have very very flat 
dull teeth that are, you know, essentially based off of a environmental perspective that is for a a plant-based diet. What is your perspective on that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, right now, you know, one of the diets that's popular is paleo. And it's interesting to actually look back at what we actually did eat in the Paleolithic era. Um, Mm -hmm. And so anthropologists have found that we were eating a predominantly plant-based diet, about 97%. Um, And, you know, logically speaking, it wasn't always easy and available to, to hunt at that time. And, and um, there's also a very interesting um, gender perspective on this as well, where because women were the gatherers and men were the hunters and, you know, women were oppressed for so many, so many decades of mm-hmm. human existence, we really elevated the male perspective. And so hunting became this really desired thing and meat became desired. And yeah, in terms of our body, it doesn't actually make sense. I will say that the scientific evidence doesn't show that we need to be 100% plant-based. That's a choice I make on ethical concerns. Um, It's not for my health. Um, If you're only looking at health, then like 97% plant-based is just what the science has shown so far. But the science does show that being fully plant-based is not harmful in any way. And it's even great for us Um, in terms of how our body is built. I'm not a huge expert on, you know, our teeth, but it is a good point that we don't have those, the teeth that, you know, lions would have or something. And all of the huge animals like chimps, they eat grass, you know, Mm -hmm. plants. So there's that as well. And then we don't have, a super acidic stomach. It is slightly more acidic um, in our stomach in order to digest things like protein, but it's not as acidic as other animals that eat meat. So all those things taken together are really interesting to show how I, I believe that we are totally meant to eat plants. So what is some of the perspective that you bring along with that? So what do you mean, like exactly what type of plant-based diet I recommend? Uh, No, like as far as like what is your um, approach into why you are an advocate for? Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So I think, well, there's, I think four parts of it, actually. The first one and how I started was health Mm -hmm. and just looking, I didn't actually look at the science when I started. I just followed whatever my mom did because she healed and I kind of followed in her footsteps. Mm-hmm. But after a while I did, I really enjoy the evidence that we have around this, this lifestyle. And so I started looking at the studies and an amazing resource for your audience that I think everyone should check out is nutritionfacts.org. And it's an amazing free resource where Dr. Greger just gathers all of the evidence and summarizes it for us in just short five minute videos. And the videos come up pretty much weekly or maybe even more often. And they're just incredible because they just, you know, it's hard science. He has a team that goes through every nutrition study to date, you know, every Mm -hmm. on every week. 
And so I really rely on that. And that has actually really helped me personally start to incorporate certain foods that I wasn't aware of, for example, turmeric. Um, I was dealing with a lot of PMS issues, like terrible, terrible cramps, debilitating, couldn't function. And when I started incorporating these things like soy, but in whole food form, not like the fake meats and and things, but um, tempeh, tofu, and edamame, I started to incorporate. I was really scared of it before because there's a lot of myths about soy, actually. And then when I looked at the studies, I was really excited to try it and it really helped me. So things like soy and turmeric and flax seeds, those foods have really helped with anti-inflammation for me. Um, So the health perspective, I think the thing that makes me the most excited, I would say is that this is the only diet ever shown to reverse heart disease. And Mm -hmm. heart disease is our number one killer right now. And so it's so amazing that this was done, you know, by Dr. Dean Ornish. So that, that really excites me. So there, there's that aspect, and that's how I started. But how I continued is um, with learning about the ethical aspects because I think we all, like the way that we live our lives is not just about us. You know, it affects so many other people and so many in our planet, obviously, and animals. And um, it just gives you a bigger reason than yourself to do this. So in terms of animals, just learning about... Um, I was really a huge cheese addict. And Mm -hmm. so um, just learning about the dairy industry, for example, really opened my eyes. Like I had no idea that, you know, cows, I mean, it makes sense, but I didn't put two and two together that cows actually need to be pregnant in order to produce milk. And so Mm -hmm. industry, they actually have something called a rape rack where they put the cows and they impregnate them over and over. And for me, you know, as a survivor, it was just really shocking and I did not want to be part of it as well as the practice of taking the baby cows from their mothers and then their mothers crying for them for three days and looking for them. So all these things, like I didn't, I loved animals always. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that I'm like this huge animal lover, but I always had like compassion for them, you know, just intuitively. But I also, I think I just felt like we, I don't want to harm them if I don't need to, I don't need them to survive. So um, Mm -hmm. that important to learn and then the environment um just learning about like greenhouse gases and how our diet actually affects that one percent of that i mean it's huge so um and as well as like water um just the amount of water used to produce one burger i think it's 60 gallons it's just like mind-blowing so it really got me excited because then i said okay so how i eat is a form of activism. So that was really really cool. And the last part is uh, just mindfulness and spirituality because, and a lot of people experience this when they go vegan is that they just feel more connected to everything around them, to people around them, to animals, to plants, just having more connection, having a clearer mind to meditate. I really feel that. So I think that's a huge thing as well that, um, I've experienced and it only grows with time. That's good. That's good. I really do like that. What are some of the things that um, you have found beneficial by taking this lifestyle approach? A lot more energy. And I see that a lot in my clients as well. Um, I see a lot more energy for them. 
um, just immediate, like in the first week or two, mm-hmm. uh, an ability to wake up, you know, without an alarm and just go achieve, achieve your dreams. Um, it's funny because a lot of my clients actually end up starting businesses because they have so much more energy than before. Um, mental clarity. And luckily, I mean, for me, the one thing that I reversed, which was huge, was uh, really debilitating PMS. So I used to take like 10 painkillers a day. Um, And it was just so, so terrible. Like I couldn't function at all. And so not having to do that has been so great. And, you know, I didn't luckily have any major chronic diseases, but I will share that, for example, my grandma actually just recently went whole food plant-based and Mm. she has diabetes. And within just a few months, she's already down to half her medication just through the diet, only through the diet and half her blood pressure meds. I mean, I think that's huge. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really exciting. So I, um, the only reason why I haven't done like any bit of the plant-based, um, diet is just because I find it hard to get the necessary, um, proteins and things like that. Like as far as like my fitness with (laughs) the macros and things that I have to be, um, achieving, you know what I mean? So like my 50% protein, 30%, um, carbohydrates, and the 20% fats. So you train really heavily, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of body weight um, or like weightlifting uh, and powerlifting exercises. That's awesome. Yeah, I do too, actually. I started weightlifting a few years ago and I really, mm-hmm. enjoy it. I mean, I don't do it professionally or anything like that. I just love it. Of course. Um, have you seen the documentary Game Changers? I have not. Oh, okay. I think you're going to love it. Um, it actually talks about plant-based athletes. So the point of it is not to say like you have to be plant-based in order to be a great athlete, but Mm -hmm. it just talks, it just shows you the options, you know, and that it is really possible to be an incredible athlete, um, and be plant-based. So it shows a lot of, uh, Olympic athletes that are vegan. Um, one of the strongest people on the planet, um, Patrick Baboumian. It mm-hmm. is a scary, like the amount of weight he lit. He can flip a car. Um, yeah, it's quite impressive. And he's been vegan close to 10 years, I think. Some like a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, bodybuilders, I mean, just a lot of different people, uh, athletes. And, you know, long distance runners and just swimmers. I mean, everything. And I know there's a lot of boxers that like boxers and MMA fighters that have a very like it's almost like 70, 80 percent plant based. Yes, yes. They they show I can't remember his name, but I remember in the movie they showed a fighter that was really scared to do it. And he found that it improved everything. I can share just from my experience that I have so much energy in the gym. Like I work out five days a week, usually with weightlifting and jumps and I mean, like pull-ups and just everything. And like, I was able to do my first pull-up on a plant-based diet, you know, and now I'm yeah, I'm up to seven. So thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really proud of that. And I really enjoy being in the gym. And 
the recovery is amazing. And just, you know, the energy that you have, you just feel really different. So it's a, it's, I'm glad you're bringing this up because it is a huge fear, whether you are an athlete or not, or like, you know, weightlifting or not, people are so scared about the protein issue. And I do agree with you that for you, you probably need to watch more about that. Like, mm-hmm. it's not just like, oh, I'll eat whatever and it's fine. Um, you probably need a little more protein. But if you look at the statistics, like the World Health Organization only recommends 8% of your calories coming from protein for someone who is not um, very physically active. But yeah. even if you are, I believe, uh, so there's a, a guy you might want to follow on YouTube, Jeff Morgan. His uh, YouTube is called Guilt Free TV, and he's a bodybuilder. And I think he eats like 150 grams, something like that, a day of protein, which Mm -hmm. to me, that's a lot. Like I eat very, very low protein um, because I just don't care that much and I feel good. Um, But he's able to do it. He does take a protein powder and then he just eats beans, you know, beans, whole grains, tofu, tempeh, like all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, it's not as hard as you may think. I know a lot of, it's it's a big fear for a lot of people. And then, you know, I do like beans a lot. I know um, there's a lot of times um, I'll actually use a lot of vegetables to reach um, some of my macros, like on top of, you know, the meat that I eat, just so that I'm not mm-hmm. eating, eating an overbearing amount of like red meat and things like that. Um, I will definitely like eat like eight ounces of uh, like an eight ounce scoop of like some pinto beans. That's great. Yeah. I mean, you, I think you would love that movie. So check it out. It, it I found um, his Instagram. I definitely give that a follow and Perfect. do some research into it. Um, yeah. That's something that I really, like I said, I've, I found a lot of supplements, you know, different things, different uh, plant-based proteins um, and grass-fed proteins that I've dabbled into that I've really like, if I could just get some more research on it, then I'd for sure give it a try. Cause it's very enticing. Yeah. So what entices you about it? Um, just the fact that there's certain people that can reach that peak physical performance without having to um, eat meat. You know what I mean? Because a lot of, you know, the knowledge that I have based around weightlifting and uh, bodybuilding is purely based off of um, the diet structure. You know what I mean? Is how I diet. So on top of like, I, I do intermittent fasting. Um, mm-hmm. pretty much every single day. So I fast for about 14, really between 12 and 16 hours. It, it depends on each day and how I feel. Um, sometimes I do my workouts fasted. And I found that even with doing a fasted workout and still staying um, in an anabolic window longer than 30 minutes, um, that I'm still burning fat and gaining muscle in different spots that normally in conventional bodybuilding you know what I mean you don't want to go long after working out after without eating you know but there's several different times where I have and like I said I still I'm I'm reaching new PRs in the gym um, higher weight lifting I'm looking more dense uh, I got like in the right areas the dense muscle so if there was a way that I could definitely find um a way to get a plant-based diet or at least like 70% plant-based diets. Cause I don't, I'm not against it. You know what I mean? I just, mm-hmm. I really, I really like steak. Um, <laughs> so 
but like I said, if I could figure out a way to do it, I do think that it would probably be more beneficial and probably save me a lot of money. Mm, so I'm hearing the financial thing. Is it also like a curiosity of like a totally new kind of adventure to take on? Because it sounds like you enjoy managing yourself. Absolutely. Like I said, I'm always doing different things. Um, I started doing intermittent fasting like a year ago. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've, I've loved. You know, I used to wake up in the morning and have like, I mean, I still do on my high calorie days. So what I'll do is I'll cycle my calories on the days that I don't lift. I only eat 1700 calories with my macro exclusions, as well as um, on my lifting days, I eat about 2700. And it also depends on how much calories I burn. So I have a whoop strap. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's the fitness trackers. Um, I can send you a link to get you a free one. It's a monthly subscription. Um, but I can do that. Basically, it's a it's like a Fitbit, but mm-hmm. it tracks your sleep. It tracks the type of sleep that you're getting. It shows you based on the amount of strain that you have in your day, how much strain you can afford the next day based off of your previous night's sleep. So mm. if yesterday I got a strain average of 13 right? And my recovery is at 56% based on because I didn't reach 100% of the hours that I slept. And Mm -hmm. there was like disturbances in my sleep. It'll tell me that I'm only at like 56% recovery. So um, and how it kind of judges that is based on your heart rate variability, which I'll explain here in a minute. Um, But if you have a low recovery, then it tells you like, okay, in order to recover better the next day, keep a strain low today. You know what I mean? And it tracks your calories. And like on my lifting days, I'm burning like 3,600 calories a day. That's on top of working a full-time job. So usually in, if I lifted that day, then I'll still aim to eat 500 calories more than what I've burned just because I still want to make sure I'm not in a deficit um, too much to where I'm losing muscle. You know what I mean? I'm still gaining (laughs) muscle, but burning fat. Um, And the way the heart rate variability works is basically say if you have an average heart rate of 60 beats per minute, then that's basically what it's saying is between each heart rate spike, whenever your heart pumps blood, it is one pump per minute, right? So Mm -hmm. how you have a, if you have a good heart rate variability and your body's recovered, it'll be like 1.16 per heartbeat every minute right but if it was a low recovery then it might be like 0.97 so there's it it's a really complicated scale to kind of understand but that's how it judges your heart rate variability and based on how quickly your heart is actually working um that shows you how well your body's recovered so it's a pretty yeah it makes sense yeah it makes sense that you're yeah how your blood is being pumped. Yeah, that's so mm-hmm. cool. Well, yeah. you know what? I challenge you <laughs> to try with those measurements to try it for a week, you know, try Absolutely. going plant-based for a week and see like what the measurements look like because what everyone reports and I've been vegan for seven years. So um, I kind of feel like I take it for granted like how great I feel Mm -hmm. but everyone says you know I just I recover so much faster um the only important thing is to eat enough so you're gonna be eating way more oh yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. I mean, that's my See, favorite. I already do eat a lot. So that's what, yeah. that's a good thing is I love to eat. You know, I'm always hungry. Even in the morning when I'm fasting, I'll drink a lot of sparkling water um, just to kind of suppress my appetite along with like mm-hmm. caffeine. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm definitely, um, I eat a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, I'm definitely going to look more into it. Uh, my girlfriend is actually, um, she used to be vegan. Mm-hmm. And I think she's either vegan or vegetarian, one of them. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure it was vegan. And she liked it a lot. You know, she said that she was healthy. She was still going to the gym and stuff. And we're supposed to be moving together here soon. Um, so we'll probably end up, she'll probably like that I'm going to try out a plant-based diet just because she's always trying to convince me to. Yeah. And, you know, we actually started together as well, my partner and I, and that was so much more fun because I used to hate cooking before. I just, I wasn't really that interested in in nutrition and stuff Mm -hmm. and, and, and just, you know, investing in that and in my body. And when I switched, when we switched over together, it was just so fun. Like we started cooking together. We started experimenting. We really fell in love with it. And it was like totally an adventure and just meeting a lot of new people and new community was also a huge part of it. That's really helped us stick to it because I mean, at least here in San Diego, the plant-based community is so lovely. Like it's the people that I've met are really about, you know, just mm-hmm. making the world better, making themselves better, making the world better. And it's, it's been really cool to connect with like-minded people through that as well. Absolutely. You know, and I think it's really cool um, how much California has adopted the diversity of different diets. Uh, My cousins lived in uh, San Luis Obispo, so they would always take me out to the Trader Joe's out there. And like all the food, these guys get cooked, though, you know. So but even if it was leaning more towards a plant based um, meals, they were always really, really good. Yeah, it's great. We really do have a lot of options. But that being said, I mean, I've done it everywhere. Like, <laughs> I've, mm-hmm. you know, it's possible to eat this way everywhere. Like, uh, when we travel, we went to Portugal recently, went to Costa Rica, went to Israel. We're originally from Israel. And um, Israel is very vegan friendly right now. But when we were starting, it wasn't at all in Jerusalem, like not at all. And it's just pretty easy to do, you know, just as long as you know what you're doing, supplementing with B12, just balancing your your nutrients properly, like making sure you're getting all of your, your nutrients. But I'm sure you already kind of are aware of that being so much in the gym and like really caring about your nutrition, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. So it's something that you're used to doing. And so, um, yeah. And I, actually, I would love to connect you with a friend of mine. She, um, she is a bodybuilder. She did, I think, two competitions so far. And what, the first one wasn't vegan. The second one was. And she felt a huge difference. And she does like a, a diet analysis for people, which is really cool, just to show them, oh, wow. you know, this is the cholesterol you eat. This is the you know, this is the amount of sodium, whatever, you know, all the markers, because a lot of times we don't realize, like, are we hitting 
all those goals, you know, all those mm-hmm. nutrients, not just macros, but then there's all the vitamins and minerals that people forget about. And those are really vital to health. So she's really uh, good at that, just doing that analysis. So I'll connect you with her. Awesome. And I can definitely share um, the whoop strap with her as well, because yeah. the more people, the better. And I tend yeah. to everyone that I've put on to uh, the strap and everybody that I've heard talk about it, uh, absolutely love it. Um, I would love to try. It's definitely something to try out. But um, on top of that, what is what are some of the challenges that you feel like you faced with, you know, a little bit of your history um, that you've dealt with? And, you know, this diet change internally and emotionally, what are some of the things that you found that were a struggle for you? And how did you come over them? Um, are you talking about the transition with this diet or my history of PTSD? Um, both, both. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just cause it's, I, I mean, they kind of, I'm, I'm sure it kind of ties in together, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, the challenges with PTSD, I, you know, it's been a lot better. Like as the years go on, it gets better and better. Uh, at first it was really just surviving, not, not thriving at all. And, um, for the first few years, I was suicidal and um, I was uh, self-harming as well. So just really having a hard time surviving. I really shut myself off from mm-hmm. friends and family. So they didn't even know what was going on. I didn't I wasn't really aware either because this person actually was welcomed into our home and my parents knew him and he was three years older than me. So it was like an abusive relationship all around emotionally as well. And, um, it was, it was a big trauma to my whole family. And so just, you know, trying to survive the first few years was really tough. And actually I would really motivate myself with food. So I would say, you know, I would tell myself like, if you get up, you will get to eat whatever today, you know, whatever snacks. And Mm -hmm. that's how I would, I would just get up out of bed for many years. And then I was lucky enough to get counseling and support in college for free. And that was so That's nice. Cool. I mean, yeah, that was crucial. I think it was definitely expensive. Yes. Yeah. I was so lucky because, you know, my family wasn't open. I'm Ukrainian originally, and my family really wasn't into the idea of counseling. They were like, there's nothing wrong with you. You're normal. Like, why would you need that? Blah, blah, blah. And you know, they- sorry to interrupt you, but I, I noticed in a lot of like culture, different cultures all over everywhere outside of the United States, it seems like it's almost, um, how do I put it? it's almost like looked down upon to talk Mm -hmm. about like any type of issue. It doesn't matter what it is. It can be like health concerns, mental disorders. It almost seems like that most cultures don't accept that there's something wrong. Like even if there is right, even like say if you had um, some kind of like autism Mm -hmm. and like, cause I've seen that in a lot of different other um, or like Asperger's syndrome. Um, There's a lot of, other cultures that really won't accept like oh no nothing's wrong with you you're fine like why why are you acting like that you know what I mean and it's yeah. almost frowned upon if you start getting help for that thing because I don't know it's it's really weird uh, so is there any clear answer that you could give as to why like for yourself in those cultures um being from uh Ukraine how does that like how is that looked upon you know what I mean yeah yeah 
Well, I think for our family, so I'm, I come from a Jewish family and Jews in Ukraine. And I think it's very true what you're saying. And I actually think it's the same here in the U S I think it's all over the world and it's definitely changing, but I, I guess I would start with just the human condition because it's really hard to admit when there is something wrong and to ask for help is really hard, like for our ego. So I think Mm -hmm. that's the first thing for all of us. Um, And we, you know, we're just trying to do everything on our own. Like so many people do. Even when I started my business for years, I was just trying to do everything by myself until I said, why, you know, why am I doing that? There's so much support in this world. Like we were not meant to be, solitary like ever i don't believe Mm -hmm. that so but yeah for my family we are a jewish ukrainian family and so there was a lot of um, hatred towards jews in ukraine and even my my parents like struggled to get into school even though they were really smart just because they were jewish and there's a lot of that so the community is really in hiding kind of just Mm -hmm. like self-defense mode you know just trying to survive and and protect and just being open with like, oh, we, we have an issue. Like, no, you need to get up in the morning. Like, I remember when I was a kid even, and especially at this time of when I was in the, in the abusive relationship, if I would cry or something, my family would say, why are you crying? You know, just get up, keep going. There's no reason to cry. So mm-hmm. it was really, it was really like frowned upon to even express feelings. Um, so, and that's a huge struggle I still have because yeah. I'm very emotional. I've always been a very emotional and sensitive person. And I'm also like, I'm like left and right brain. Like I'm also very practical and I like being goal oriented and achieving things or whatever. But mm. I also really think that emotions are important. And so it took a long time for them to give me that freedom. Um, that's good though. That's good that, you know, you finally found it though. Cause it gives you a voice. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so those first years were really hard. And even explaining to, like, I didn't even understand that I was assaulted because, as I said, the person was my boyfriend. He was my first boyfriend. He was my first Mm -hmm. love. He was part of the family, all this stuff. And so um, not understanding also what's happening to my body and myself. Like, why do I even feel this way? It was so confusing. And all of high school just... I was like a zombie, you know, I wasn't really present ever. I was just trying to numb the pain. It was just extreme pain. And um, after I got the support and the counseling, it really helped a lot. I still had a lot of triggers, like, you know, trauma triggers. Like if I would hear his name or someone else with his name, or if I would see something that reminded me of him or a sound or, I mean, anything could trigger me and I would just, um, kind of shut off for many, many hours and not be able to function. Like a funny example is when I got married at city mm-hmm. hall with my partner. Um, I, I don't know why it really triggered me. And I was just depressed. Like if you see the pictures, I don't look happy <laughs> and it's, it's funny, but it's, you know, but that's kind of how it is. Like there's mm-hmm. random things that can just trigger you. Um, so yeah, I mean, Then I think when I was 23, I transitioned to plant-based and I just started to just really explore and start a healing journey. So go from feeling like a victim all the time, just being like, oh, 
you know, how can I actually heal myself? You know, how can I take charge of my life, my decisions, um, my future, um, achieve things that I really want to achieve and just I don't have to be like I you know people say would say you're a rape victim and I don't like that term and I never actually liked it but at that time I started to really say like I'm a survivor and I want to see myself that way um, but I was really still like living life as a victim a lot of times I um, just even in little things like I would always say I need to do this I have to do this and it took me many years to shift that self-talk that I had but yeah the transformation has really been about stepping out from the victim mentality and saying you know like like not my PTSD but you know I deal with a condition called PTSD but it's not all consuming and it doesn't mean that I can't function all the time but also going more easy on myself like sometimes I just need to rest and that was so hard to accept in the past I would just push and push and push and say no I have to work I have to study you know whatever um, so just accepting that sometimes my body's telling me you need to just rest like just do nothing or just sit in nature or sleep extra hours things like that that really helps and and also learning not to judge my reactions and myself mm-hmm. just you know being present just being like okay that's happening like i'm i'm observing myself instead Good. of saying you know judging and just saying oh you know this this is how i feel right now okay and and just letting it be i think that's one of the biggest one of the biggest things that have shifted in me um especially recently um and another thing that i've been doing recently that anyone struggling with trauma I think it's so life-changing is getting in touch with that 15 year old because I I suddenly realized that I don't even like when I think of giving her empathy it Mm -hmm. kind of sickens me Um, it kind of makes me like nauseous because I I just didn't I, I just you know still judged everything that happened and kind of blame myself in a little way still. And so I just started to get in touch with that girl. And it's just crazy because she's very present in inside mm-hmm. of me. Like she's, she's, it's like a, another person that lives there and, you know, she, she needs to hear that everything's okay. She's not alone. And so I do that every day in my meditation. Now I just like get in touch with her and it's made a huge change in my business and my life because that part of, you know, your ego is so loud sometimes. And when you give it attention, then suddenly you feel a lot more calm just in, in life. And so, yeah, that's a practice that I really like to do. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad that, you know, you're no longer letting those feelings become overwhelming you know what I mean a lot of the times um, what I suggest to people is whenever you're having any type of traumatic episode because everybody has their own version of of how they deal with trauma but the emotions are all the same right everybody feels a different emotion but whether or not you react to it makes up how you know life is going to be for you and mm-hmm. something I always try to tell, like, whether it be my friends, my family is like, just to experience it. 
And even whenever I'm in a bad mood, if I get in a weird mood and I'm anxious that day and I wake up and I'm having a million thoughts run through my mind of like, whoa, I'm on this, I'm that, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing enough of this, I should do more of this, you know what I mean? I Mm -hmm. tend to just kind of seclude myself and just zone out and just let myself experience these feelings. And I have to remind myself, like, I don't have to react. These things are just happening to me, but they don't mean that I have to react. I don't have to act out. I don't have to throw a fit. I don't have to make people feel bad for me. Like this is just something that is happening. Yeah, that's so, <laughs> it took me a long time. I mean, I, if you would have told me that a year ago, I would have said, yeah, you're so right. But it took me such a long time to understand that when I judge myself and when I feel like I'm reacting without being present and choosing my reaction, mm-hmm. it's just like, that's how it is. There's nothing I can do. And the judgment I felt was really a good thing. It was like, yes, I have to push myself, you know, yeah, and yeah. It, it doesn't help. It doesn't help. It actually does the opposite. It makes me more angry and it makes the episode last way longer. That's what I'm realizing now is like when I, when I do have anxiety, um, it, it goes away so fast when I just allow it, you know, just like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm anxious. That's okay. I'm allowed to be anxious, you know? Yeah. And that's it. And just give it love and just say, you know, yeah, I've been through some really hard things and, and just give that love and that's it. No judgment. That's good though. That's good. That's good that you have that, um, hindsight, you know, that's something that uh, for a while I was making uh, little wallpapers for the like mobile wallpapers for the Mm -hmm. podcast. Um, just so like anybody that's listening, if you want to support it, download the wallpaper, whatever. And, um, that's just one of the things that, I had kind of put in a message of the wallpaper because each one has its own little message um, and just put hindsight's always 2020, you know, it takes a moment of like a, a trial period of having these emotions and having different reactions to them before you learn like that not only do you not have to react, but if you are going to react, which is going to benefit the situation the most, you know what I mean? Which is the healthiest reaction? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think I didn't really talk about the the food part, but um, with the journey, but it was, you know, one of the things that happened to me is that I really treated the food very strictly as well. Mm-hmm. And it, w- it was just a me. I, I say to my clients all the time that our relationship with food is just a mirror to our relationship with ourselves. So when we observe that, it can really teach us a lot. And it can help us, like when we shift that part, it really requires just shifting how we treat ourselves. So mm-hmm. I used to really be so strict with the exercise as well. So like everything was kind of a punishment. Um, the, the workouts were a punishment. If I wasn't suffering in my workout, mm-hmm. then it was not a good workout. And I think the biggest shift with food uh, was just learning and it's it is still a process for me but learning to see it as nourishment as well as the workouts I mean I think the workouts I have down I just enjoy them so much now um, but with food it's really learning to see it as nourishment and to also give myself wiggle room like I don't have to be perfect all the time with what mm-hmm. I eat and nothing mm-hmm. will happen 
nothing will happen. You know, if I eat out like twice a week, nothing will happen. When I started, I was really paranoid and I was really strict. And I think that stress around it was not good for my health. So at the end of the day, you know, the men, to me, the mental health always comes first now because, um, I, I think that everything starts in the mind and, if we, for example, if we believe that we're eating something really bad, it will be. Mm-hmm. So um, it just starts there. So just really seeing that and learning to see food as nourishment um, has been really positive, really great. Good. good, good. I'm glad. On that same note, though, I don't, I think some people could easily misconstrue that information. Like, don't go convincing yourself that McDonald's is good for you. Yeah, no, no, no. You know what I mean? Well, I will, you know, you know what? Like the cool thing about the plant-based diet is I don't feel that it's a diet anymore. It's a lifestyle. And so I'm not restricting. Like I don't when I see a steak or something, I don't want it at all. So Mm -hmm. it's not, and I think that happens once you do it for a while and once you also learn about the bigger picture. At least that has been my experience. It really helped me understand um, what what choice I want to make, and it becomes really easy. And so, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's a good point, but I just don't crave McDonald's at all. And no, you know, one hundred percent. I was just being being silly because you know you're always going to have that one person that plays devil's advocate that says, "Oh, well, uh, I listened to this podcast, and they said on there that if I convince myself the food's good for me." then it's good for me. And so they're going to go and eat, you know, a quarter pounder from McDonald's and get a large Dr. Pepper or something like, Oh, well they said so. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. I think, I think that, you know, when we're babies, um, I have a, I have a friend who is an emotional eating expert and we all do some emotional eating. And she told me this and I, I really aligned with it. She said that when we are, little kids and we see a cow or we see i don't know an orange Mm -hmm. we don't have an instinct to eat to kill that cow and eat it we will Mm -hmm. want to reach for the orange and so that's really how i feel now is that my instinct is to reach for that orange you know so and i i think it's within all of us i think that the instinct to eat healthy for our bodies is inside everyone. You just have to tune into that. And it's, it's a long journey, no doubt. But once you get to not craving McDonald's or whatever, Mm -hmm. like whatever fast food, you know, it's just such a beautiful way to be. I think it just comes down to, you know, getting your body, um, getting rid of all the, like the processed sugars reserves in your body, because Mm -hmm. I find that myself, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's very, very long periods where I'll go and I'll stick to like a, a strict kind of diet where I'll only eat um, certain things. And after like a good couple weeks of keeping myself accountable for that, like I don't crave soda. I don't crave McDonald's. I don't, you know, even just the thought of having like a greasy burger is like, ah, that's going to be real heavy on my stomach. Like, you know what I mean? There's certain yeah. foods to this point, like even sauces, I won't eat because it just makes me feel real sluggish. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Sugar, especially Mm -hmm. such a huge addiction for people. And so, yeah, when you lay off of it, even for a little bit, you kind of clear out your body from that processed foods, preservatives, all that stuff. 
Um, that's not even food, to be honest. Like, I don't see it as food. When we clear that out, then the cravings definitely go away. Absolutely. So go ahead and use a little bit of this time to kind of, um, if you have any last advice that you can give anybody or where you want, you know, if you want to promote yourself, anything that you're doing, any programs you have, uh, your social media, uh, go ahead and use that time now. Yeah, absolutely. My advice would be to just like, if you're hearing this and you're like, oh my God, that sounds so awesome. I want to try it. And then your next thought is like, oh my God, that is scary. Like, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. Like all these thoughts. So if you're excited and scared at the same time, that's awesome. I embrace it and just try it, you know, just try it for a week, two weeks and, and see where it leads you. Um, and I have lots and lots of free recipes on my website, soulintheraw.com, S-O-U-L in the raw, R-A-W.com. And what I, my main offering is coaching. So if anyone is interested in coaching, I'm happy to offer your audience uh, some time with me, a consultation. Um, and you can see all that on my website, where to book a free session. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Thank you so much for coming on here and, you know, um, sharing your story and your experience. It really gives me a good eye opener on some of the things that I haven't thought about. And it definitely gets me intrigued to uh, do some more research on plant-based diets. I'm pretty sure my girlfriend's going to love that one. So Yeah, and um, I'll send you stuff for sure. I'll send I you appreciate some things. It. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, once again, it was just a pleasure to talk to you and it means the world to me that you made the time out of your day, uh, to come over and talk on my show and hopefully everybody had a good listen. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. All right. We'll keep in touch. Yeah, for sure. All right. Talk to you later. Put your head on my